Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. of um now we're talking is that what we call this podcast we haven't done a podcast in so long uh it's been since well before christmas we've done one Mm -hmm. or holiday um but welcome back we have a um two very special guests today the uh the 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 uh words cannot express really major warner the legend of major warner thank you sir uh our associate superintendent and uh actually deputy superintendent right Yes, sir. Yeah, I know. We changed that time. Very fancy. Yeah, very, very. He doesn't have his badge yet. But oh, all guys. right. Uh, and Jessica Majerowitz. Oh, well Did done. I get yes, that right? You did. Uh, teacher at Liberty High School and someone who has um, done, gone above and beyond to help students and, 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 and even trained teachers. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But before we do anything else, I want to make sure we thank our sponsors uh, Alan Wayne Limited. Uh, Alan Wayne Limited is stocked with diverse, talented team that works strategically and collaboratively with clients to create phenomenal brands. Uh, thanks, Alan, for your your Alan Wayne for your uh, your help and your support of this program. Appleton Camp- Campbell Plumbing, Heating and Air Conditioning. They've always been a great supporter of Fauquier County Public Schools. As has Fresh. Fauquier reaches for excellent school health. Uh, Fresh has been a great partner with Fauquier County Public Schools and helped in so many different ways. Uh, always eager to help students. Genesis Home Improvement uh, is a family-owned and operated by Fauquier residents, Mike and Kim Jenkins. Thank you, Genesis Homes. Uh, Lee Sherman Real Estate uh, down there in beautiful Bealton, Virginia. And thanks, Lee, for your support, your ongoing support for this um, for this endeavor. And last but not least, UVA Community Credit Union. Thank you, thank you very much for your support. All right, there's your laptop back. Um, so we've got one mic today. Our, our uh, engineer is, is not available. Our, our production engineer is not available today. So um, we just have the one mic, but we'll be fine. But before we get started, we have the bucket of questions. So bucket of questions is very simple. You just pick a question, but whatever you pick, you have to answer. Okay. So we'll start. Ladies first, Jessica. Okay. Ooh, if a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? Um, I'd like to think it'd be a comedy. Okay. I like to keep things lighthearted and kind of fun. Um, who would play me? Oh my goodness. Um, 
Kate McKinnon. I would love. Kate McKinnon. I love her. Great Ever choice. since Ghostbusters, man, that woman is talented. Excellent choice. Thank Kate you. McKinnon, Thank big you. fan. Right. Excellent Saturday Night Live uh, veteran. Oh, customer. my goodness. One of the best. All right, Major, you're up. All right. This is pressure. It is pressure. Don't pressure. be nervous. All right. What is one article of clothing that someone could wear that would make you walk out on a date with them? Ooh. I'm not really sure where you get these questions. Tough but one. That is oh, a, a tough one. one. Wow. Um, okay, no, we're assuming now this is back in your single days. Okay, yes. Thank right. you for clarifying right. that. Okay. For all of those it's listening, this was Mrs. Mm-hmm. Warner. Right, this was, this was pre-Mrs. Warner. Thank you. Um, I would say... Ooh. Um, I, I do this is sad. I got, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Um, I can tell you. Okay, tell me. Tube top. Tube top, yes. You'd walk out on tube top. I'd walk right. out on a tube right. top. There you go. I was going to say parachute pants, but that didn't make oh, sense to me either. Well, you it know? would make sense to people who live through That's those. That's correct. Our students would not pants. understand what that Thank is. you for yeah. moving me along on that one. Yeah, sure. tube top that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a 30-minute program, so we got to keep going. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking today about equity, and um, I, I don't think uh, this is one of those subjects, I don't think we can talk too much about it. Oh, definitely not. Uh, I was very excited to see that VSBA is denoted um, or designated February, March, I mean, as Equity Month for the state of Virginia. This is one of those topics I think every school division in um, in the state is grappling with how to provide equity, equitable yeah. educational services for students. And I have my own theory, and I'll share it, and then we'll, I'll, then I'm going to turn, I'll start asking you all questions. But my own theory is, we tried No Child Left Behind for a long time. The goal of No Child Left Behind, I believe, was to make sure that we were, you know, um, serving every student. And I think No Child Left Behind was able to do that. But I think where we got off the tracks was we, as a nation, uh, so we're substituting the idea of, 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 of uh, equality with equity, and they're not the same thing. So giving every student the same thing and testing, giving them all the same right. assessment, and and what after No Child Left Behind kind of ran its course, we found out that guess what? We left some children behind. Right. So it's like so now we've got to back up and go. Okay, so what can we do differently to make sure we're meeting the needs of students who not who we've not met thus far? Like what do we do differently? And I think that's where we are as a country, I agree. not just in Fauquier County. So let me ask you this: your your 30-second elevator speech. If somebody got on the elevator, and I'll get them to let Jessica go first. Mm-hmm. You get on the elevator, and someone says, tell me, because this happens to me. Well, okay. Tell me this whole equity thing. You know, mm-hmm. what, are y'all, what are y'all talking about? What, what's this all about? I don't understand. I've heard this, and I've heard that. What would be your 30-second speech to that individual? Um, I think it's basically explained that you have to meet kids and people where they are. So, for example, I teach collaborative classes with a SPED teacher. I've done that for a couple of years. And so we have students with IEP needs that we need to meet. And finding ways to help our students reach the same goals as our other students using different methods to do that. So some people, with the idea of equality, everything is the same. Equity is some people need more or less than other people. And how do you adjust for those kids and those people in terms of, of providing the opportunities to create an equal even playing field? They're excellent. I think that was exactly 30 seconds. I, don't know. I wasn't looking at my watch, but... That was excellent. So, now same thing. You, yeah. you now you got to add your own your own twist to it. I will. I'm a watch. Thirty second speech. 
I, I first would say I, I agree with Jessica, but I would also say that I was I would say to that person that think about equity as a process, and what does that process look like for you? What are the questions that you would need to ask to figure out what someone's story is? Um, what are the barriers? You have to be um, critical in asking those questions. Uh, you have to be willing to. Um, for lack of a better way, you have to be willing to integrate your own reality uh, relative to that. Um, but I see equity as a process by which uh, we ask questions um, to figure out what the kids' needs are right. um, and the courage behind that to do what we know needs to be done I with love, equality as an outcome. I love the word courage. You yes. know, that's one of my favorite yes, sir. terms. Yeah. Um, Major, tell us about, and um, this may be somewhat awkward for you, but... So you were raised in Fauquier County. Yep. You've been here your whole life. Uh, I have. You, you've told me stories about, uh, if you don't mind me saying, bathing in Goose Creek. In Goose Creek. Yep. With a five-gallon bucket. Absolutely. Um, describe, so tell us a little bit more about your experience in Fauquier County mm-hmm. growing up. And I know you love the county. That's not at all what I'm getting at. But your experience in Fauquier County and how that has shaped your ideas relative to providing equity. Like, how is your experience shape where you are right now in terms of trying to help kids, giving, identifying the needs of individual students, making sure they get what they need? How how has your experience in Fokker kind of kind of shaped your view of equity? So I, I would go back then to um, my elementary experiences. I started kindergarten in 1974, which is about five years wow. after Fokker. I really didn't have a choice to <laughs> Were you integrate born in 1974. 82. 82. Okay. But not that far apart. Not that far apart. Uh, not that far apart. <laughs> no, no. But, um, and actually someone asked me this at a workshop the other day, but my second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade teachers were African-American females. Wow. Um, at a time in the 70s where we were really struggling with um, the, the whole notion of race and, mm-hmm. and schools and, and how do we serve our kids. But I can distinctly remember um, in those grades, um, people uh, instilling in me a sense of purpose and value and an understanding that if, if, you don't do X, um, then Y won't happen. That the world's really just not going to see you mm-hmm. in the light that you need it to see you all the time. But my all-time favorite teacher is Mrs. Putnam, who was a white female, uh, my kindergarten teacher, um, who was absolutely the best at um, loving me for who I was as a kindergarten kid, um, and to this day, who has stayed in touch with my journey. Oh, I share all that to cool. say, um, you know, we're shaped by the intentionality of, of the people that we come in contact with in education. And those folks in the 70s were intentional in making sure this little scrawny black kid from Markham, you know, got what he needed in school. And I think that's what we're trying to impart on people today is, regardless of your circumstances, if you get to know somebody's story, you have to be courageous enough to kind of figure out how to meet them. Right, right. You know, where they are, which is what to Jessica's point was. So I'm completely shaped by my educational experiences here and the caring and the compassion um, that folks um, showed me um, at a really critical time in my life. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks so, for sharing that. Yeah, so you. you were you were scrawny at one time? I was scrawny. I had a hard time seeing that. <laughs> I listen. Big head, skinny legs, man. I was scrawny. Okay. All right, yeah. I know. Isn't that something? It's hard to visualize. I've always been scrawny. Oh, yeah? I yeah. yeah. it's hard. Oh, yeah. gosh. Um, Jessica, what about you? I, mean, I, I know virtually nothing about you other than that you're a great teacher. Oh, thank you. And uh, you're, you're, you really try to help kids and teachers. But tell me about something about your background and maybe why your background has helped, um, I don't know, instruct your view relative to okay. providing equity. 
Um, I'm actually from Michigan. I grew up in uh, Midland, Michigan, which is where Dow Chemicals headquarters are located. My father was a chemist. And so it was overall a very white community. Although because of the company, we did have actually um, people from India who came and who worked in, in the plant. And my dad actually worked with uh, a man named Bala, who was a riot. And we didn't have family there. They were all on the East Coast. And so for like Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners, we would invite friends over. And so they would come over. And um, and so we knew about they were Hindus. And we'd visit their house. And they had Hindu shrines in their basement. And I tell my students this when we do Hinduism. And they're like, wait, wait, you know someone like this? I'm like, yes, that was totally normal. Um, so I think my parents did a really good job of, of making sure, even though we were in, for the most part, a very white community, meeting people and, and interacting and that they were, you know, no different than we were. Or the differences they had just were things that enhanced them. So when I actually interviewed at Liberty 16 years ago, um, I remember interviewing and I was like, wow, the diversity here is amazing. And they were like, it's really not that diverse. I was like, where I come from, it's hugely diverse. <laughs> and so just over the years, um, I think just different things have shaped me in terms of teaching, becoming a collaborative teacher really helped in terms of um, learning how to, like I said, that all kids are smart. You have to figure out how exactly that is. And then, um, yeah, I just, you know, I've been very lucky. My parents were always very open-minded and recognizing too, in fact, that I come from considerable privilege. I grew up white middle class, upper middle class. Um, I would have had to do a lot to screw this up. And so I was kind of born halfway up the ladder in that mm -hmm. regard. Um, so definitely recognizing how fortunate I am and being how can I help other people kind of find that, um, get them on as close to a level playing field as I can. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. Um, I had a great I had a, a meeting yesterday with a, a school board member, a new school board member, and we were talking about these very things, mm -hmm. you know. And um, it, one of the things we both agreed to, uh, about, we, have, we share the same thoughts about, um, why why we're here what are we what's our role here like what is it we're trying to accomplish as educators and as mm -hmm. leaders within right. the school division and it it has to be centered on making sure what you said every kid gets exactly what it is that they need it didn't start that need. way for me though i was very much about i love history i want to teach people about history and it became about the kids as time went on yeah. and you you learn kind of as you go and you teach yeah. so that became a real central thing so I was a history teacher, I don't know if you knew this or not. That's why I like you so much, so obviously. And I can remember when I first started teaching history, I really thought that, you know, my, my love of history right. and me, you know, sharing stories would just ignite all the kids. Mm -hmm. No. Not yet. <laughs> not really. Um, well, I, I, I do want to talk about barriers. So you, you, you mentioned barriers. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, we, we, clearly we have some barriers here. We, sure, we, right. we we've got... Uh, ways to go in terms of making sure that we're giving ki kids who aren't being successful. I like to call it, you know, reducing the number of negative outcomes for kids, which I, it's, it'd be hard for anyone to disagree with that. Right. We, oh, we want to limit negative right. outcomes for kids. Right. So in y'all's view, what are the barriers in Fauquier County or statewide or nationally, what are the barriers to doing that? What are our barriers? To removing the barrier? Well, bear, tell me what the barriers are, and then perhaps you can share how we, we think we can remove them. So I, I think um, you get into issues of, obviously, race and socioeconomic status. Yeah. Uh, the obvious ones are race, socioeconomic status, um, disability, um, kids who are struggling with um, the emotional side of learning, um, struggling with who they are, identity issues. Mm -hmm. I think those are some of the obvious big ones. I think mindset. Um, in adults has become um, an increasing barrier. If you get at Jessica's point here, you know, she talks about having started halfway up the ladder. Yeah. Um, 
and I didn't start on a ladder, right? And so how do we get people to understand that just because Jessica started halfway up the ladder doesn't mean that she doesn't need a nudge to continue going up the ladder. Yeah. We don't mm -hmm. take something from Jessica just to get me on the ladder. Yeah. Right. Right. right? Yeah. You don't have to do that. That's not that's counter to what some people believe that this equity notion is all about, that we're going right. to take something from someone mm -hmm. to get to somebody else. And so I think um, one of the barriers when we talk about interrogating our own reality is understanding who we are relative to the barriers that are in front of us. And so, um, but I think the big ones are race, socioeconomic status, disability, yeah. gender, issues of gender. We struggle with issues of religion. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how many times do we hear now, I'm tired of you all pushing your leftist agenda, you know, um, in a time where there's political unrest. Mm -hmm. So um, all of those things are making their way, Doc, into our schools, and they're becoming barriers to learning for kids. Interesting. That the adults are having to work at pushing those out so the kids can access learning. I think a big thing, too, is creating empathy. Yeah. because people are stuck in their little mindset. They don't want to look at people's points of view. And in the end, if you can relate to other people and understand what they're going through and be like, okay, yeah, I have these issues and you have these, they're both issues. How can we work on these out, work these out? And I think empathy is, is a, a really big struggle for a lot of people these days. Yeah. So how do, we, how do we overcome that? Like, how do we overcome a lack of empathy? I think we find ways to connect people in different stories that they can relate to in terms of, a, oh, like I said, you know, this person perhaps um, is having issues with gender identity and someone else is having issues of socioeconomic class and saying, well, you know, you feel like you're treated this way because of this situation and they feel they're being treated similar because of their situation. You just made it common. Mm -hmm. And so you actually know what they're going through. It's just a different way of looking at it. And you did it as a strategy when you started this session. One of the first things that you asked us was about our story. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And so one of the things mm -hmm. that you do as an adult in a classroom is that you share your story. What is your story? What's your, what's your background? What's your story? And so you, you begin to tear down those things because kids look at us as adults and think, oh, my gosh, there's no way you can relate to where I am. Right. And I think mm -hmm. when you, yeah. when you <clears throat> are willing to make yourself vulnerable in sharing your story, then you start to build empathy um, you start to um, tear down sort of this um, relationship barrier wall that naturally exists between teachers and students that we talk about the relationship side of things. Right. And then you start to pick at what that story is in that kid. Mm -hmm. um, how do you convey that? And if you can do that, then you, you've pushed yourself down the path of um, really um, understanding what a kid needs on any given day when they show up in your classroom. You understand the mood swings. Mm -hmm. You understand that when Johnny comes in and puts his head down today, and that's unlike Johnny, all right, that that's indicative of something, and it might make you ask him a question, right. or Susie, whoever it is. Right. And so are you willing to scratch beneath the surface? I think it helps you for the most part that in Fauquier County our class sizes are fairly small compared to other school districts. And you have the ability to interact with those kids and you're not managing 35 kids in a room and you can say, yeah, Johnny's head's down and I have a chance to go talk to him. I think that makes a big difference as well. That's a good point. I do want to talk about, and I just as you're making comments, it made me think about one of these issues that's it's hard to talk about and it's a little touchy, but it's something that we've got to talk about and that is I think you pointed out recently that about 30% of our students now are students of color. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that about right? That's about right. Yeah. Uh, Hispanic, right. Hispanic um, Asian, Black, African American, um, Asian. of two races or more. 
Okay, I'm sorry to find it look like the world actually looks like. Yeah, so yeah. roughly 30%. Yes, sir, maybe, maybe a little bit less. Plus or minus, that's okay. all right. But 93% of our teaching staff are, are white. Correct. Okay. So I bring this up because, and again, it's not, it's not an easy thing to talk about because a good teacher is a good teacher. Yes. It doesn't matter what they look like. Good teacher is a good teacher. But there is no doubt about it that students, like based on your experience, for example, students are, it's going to be easier for them to connect with somebody who looks like them. Sure. Okay. Now, our problem in Fauquier County is, we're, we're Fauquier County, we're relatively rural. Um, we, we have a teacher shortage everywhere, and uh, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Right. Right. So what we've got to do is we've got to work with those 93% of teachers to help them do what you just said, mm -hmm. to help them build those relationships with maybe a student that doesn't look like them, um, to build trust uh, with, that, with those students, um, to teach them or, or encourage them to empathize with those students. And I, I'm a believer that the vast majority of our teaching staff, if not all of them, they believe that. Like they're, they're, they've sold that, they're, they've bought into that. So for me, that's part of what it is we're trying to do with the equity conversation we've yeah. had for the last three years. Right. And, the, and by the way, this isn't a new conversation. I think people, people have sort of lifted it up this year for various reasons as this new program. It's not new. We started talking about it when we read Dweck's book three years ago Correct. about mindsets. Correct. That's when the conversation started. Like yeah. we've got to think differently. Right about how we help kids and what strategies we incorporate to help kids. So when I look at my goal or my my barrier, that to me, that's a big barrier. Right. It's like our, the, the way our teaching staff looks is not going to change overnight. Right. It's, oh, just yeah, not, yeah. it's just not going to. But our student diversity and our population, it is changing. No, There's no question about it. Right. And uh, the, the teacher shorts piece is, is just huge. Okay. And um, so... I said a lot, but uh, you know I, that wasn't a question. There it was just kind of a statement. Okay. But um, I love it. I love it when we talk about um, courage because this has been a mantra, you know, uh, amongst at least the administrative teams for since I've been here. Is we, we've got to be courageous. We've got to have courageous conversations, and they're and they're difficult, and they can be controversial even sometimes. Mm -hmm. But we got to have them. Right. Yeah. You know, you, no one want no one likes conflict, but you can't avoid conflict. Either. That's right. You got to you have to right. address it. That's right. So. Um, Tell me, in your words, in your estimation, what are some things, what are some other things perhaps that we haven't thought about, some strategies that perhaps we haven't considered, some, some routes or some uh, different approaches that perhaps we should be looking at or thinking about, or are there things that we're doing now that we need to really hold up, that we really need to, like we're doing this thing really, we really need to lift this piece up. Like one lunch, I think, is, a, is kind of an example. Like right. That, that was a courageous choice. Oh, very much so. <laughs> very much so. So, so what do you think, Jessica? I think it's fantastic um, that we the kids have lots of choice. Now, a lot of people have had questions. Well, you know, my kids aren't coming to my office hours. And I have a lot of kids that I very rarely see kids during office hours. People are like, well, we need to have more structure back again. And I like it because it gives them the choice to make. So you should be coming to see me. 
but you're a young adult. You need to learn how to make these decisions now so that later on, as you age, like you're not learning how to make your decisions as an adult in a job. Like you're figuring that out now. And so uh, I've been talking with Ms. Milburn quite a bit about the different programs and how to kind of ease the freshmen <coughs> in ways to give structure at the beginning and then allow them more time so that they have a little more guidance. But the idea is fantastic because you really have so much choice and opportunity. You can spend time with your friends. You can go get help. Um, I, I think it, I mean, it was definitely it was a little touchy at first in terms of, oh, no, how's it going to work? And for the most part, I think it's been fantastic. Has there been opportunity or more opportunity for kids and, or, or for kids to connect with the adults in their building? Oh, definitely. I mean, there are some teachers who have their, their the, instead of taking a lunch, they just have their lunch in their classrooms, and people can come in whenever. And so I've definitely seen a lot of kids who go to those teachers that they really, really connect with and get to spend time with those teachers. And it's not necessarily just academic. It's to, to hang out or to catch up. And I think they definitely... Um, a good number of students in the school feel like they have a teacher they can talk to. The, in my view, this the this perception of the students has changed completely. Really? Yeah, because I, I met with a student advisory in the fall and I asked them, okay. what do you think about one lunch? Oh, it's chaotic, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then more recently, it's been, oh, we love one lunch. Fabulous. So it's, and it just, you're working through right. the kinks, right? Oh, exactly, right. exactly. So, so, so I'll, I'll come at it from a, 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 a 20,000 foot platform. The relationship piece is key. I, I think the single biggest decision that you and I make uh, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis rests with the quality of the people that we hire. Mm-hmm. And and when we talk about courage and leadership, um, I think we have to. One of our strategies has to continue to be to hire folks who are principals who are willing to lean in on on the removing of barriers, who are willing to take chances for kids, right. to allow them to make those kinds of connections. That's at a twenty thousand foot level. I really do believe um, that our work with equity teams um, has the potential to really transform how teachers interact with each other around the conversation of equity. There's a lot of misinformation that's around one of the strategies that we've employed, but if you kind of really look at the steps, it really talks about um, trust. How do you set the tone in trust, Mm -hmm. which gets at um, those culturally competent skills like compassion and empathy, things like that. I mean, openness to ask questions. Absolutely, openness to ask questions. It also gets at um, how do you build the relationship? You know, what kinds of activities can, in a faculty that's 93% white in a school that might be 60% other, you know, what can I use that might help me be more comfortable Mm -hmm. navigating and facilitating that dialogue, Right. Right. Um, willing to make mistakes. It, and willing to make mistakes. How do we perfect. empower people? So I really do think we have an opportunity through teamwork to kind of deepen um, um, how teachers um, choose to engage those subjects that, that have become really challenging and tough in their classrooms. Issues of identity, issues of race. What do I do when so-and-so calls so-and-so blank? And all hell's breaking loose in my classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of activity can I can I do that might allow us to have a conversation about respect and understanding and race that builds, you know, community in my classroom? See, that's that's where we've been lacking for years. When you talk about, we really ramped up the conversation three years ago about how do we do that. I think we have to deepen that for people. We make assumptions that people who sign on to be teachers are equipped to deal with everything that walks into the classroom, and that's a false assumption. And we've done them an, uh, um, um, an injustice by making the assumption 
And so we can't expect them to be courageous in tackling that if we're not willing to be courageous in giving them the right tools that they need to be able to do it. And so I think when we do that, it becomes infectious, right? Um, Jessica does a lot of work around gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That wasn't happening at Liberty High School 10 years ago. No. No. Right? It takes courage to do that type of work. And not everybody agrees with it. Right. And so, you know, how do we continue to empower people? I think is, is, is a task for, for those of us who are in policy positions to say, look, we're going to support you here. Right. People are going to push back on us, but this is right for kids. Okay? Right. Sometimes the issues are about race. And we got a dog on it be willing to talk about race. Right. You know, how do I do that in a way that um, I'm comfortable? What, what, what's in my tool bag over here that I can pull out? Yeah, I, I, I like do to, that. I like to use you know? the expression, you can do both. You know, you can, you can do both. Yeah. And you described it. Someone who's halfway up the ladder, you can give them a nudge and help them get to the top of the ladder just as easily as you can help someone get, in, get on the ladder to That's begin. That's exactly right. We and when you go up both. that ladder, pulling people with you. That's exactly absolutely right. great point. It's a great I mean, analogy. We can do both. It's yeah. possible to do both. Right. And we can have an honest conversation about strategy because you pointed out um, when, we've, when we've endeavored to provide professional development for teachers and administrators, you know, we're, we're really, we're trying, to, we're trying to do something different because the definition of insanity is doing the same right. thing over and over yeah. right, and hoping for a different result. That's right. And we, we, the fact is we have not got a different result. Right. So we got to do something differently. So we can have an honest conversation about the strategy or the materials we use. That's fine. I, I'm, we welcome that. No problem at all. But you, but you can't look at the equity, the, the the goal of providing equity, and going. I just don't believe in this equity stuff. Right. I, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, we can again, we can have a debate about the strategy, and we can have a debate about the philosophy. But equity is. The, I think the ultimate, the purest form of providing quality education, meeting kids where they are, giving them what they need. And I'm not talking about just, and we've had this conversation, mm-hmm. it's not just the kids who struggle, the special needs kids, right. kids of color. It's also the kids sure. who, are, who are at the quote-unquote at the top. You know, right. If they're bored, if they're in, sitting in class and they're bored out of their minds for whatever reason, then we need to look at that and decide, well, how can we better meet their needs? Sure. Like, how can we teach them differently. That's exactly right. Um, so Which I think it's overwhelming for a lot of teachers. Like, I have to do how much stuff in one classroom with all of this? Right. I think, again, I mean, the experience is really what comes in and, yeah, the tools to help help people with that. What's your been, what, how would you describe your experience with inclusion? We used to call them collab classroom back when right. I was principal. What has been your experience with inclusion classrooms? And, and for right. listening audience, describe what that is in case they don't know. So I absolutely adore it. Now, granted, shout out to Liberty High School, greatest place on earth to work. Um, we've had, again, from the top down, uh, administration, uh, Lisa Mistretta, who's in charge of the special ed department, uh, uh, Lauren Milburn, who works with that as well. And so inclusion is basically taking uh, students that is, are typically have not had any learning disabilities and then merging kids in who have IEPs, individual education plans, um, and putting them in because they're capable of doing the same thing that other students are. They might just need some help. So I teach with a special ed teacher. I've taught with two in particular, Kathy Cheney and now Stephen Roper. Um, and basically what happens is their job is to make sure everybody's IEP needs are being met, but also essentially we're teaching the class together. And so the, one of the great things about that 
is that I can, we can both better meet the needs of students because we're teaching our content, but also we're paying attention to students that, again, someone's heads on the desk, mm -hmm. someone's being disruptive one day. What are strategies we can work with to better help? And I mean, in fact, when you have a good co-teaching team, I think that's a way to go, period, across the field, whether it's inclusion classes or not. I have had so many fantastic experiences and been able to reach so many more kids, I think, with that collaborative process. Well, let me, let me tell you a quick story, and because you just, you just, uh, tugged at one of my heartstrings just then. I can remember as a kid in elementary, because um, I, I had an IP, so okay. I can remember being pulled out of class, mm -hmm. of, of, of the gen ed class, to go to, what well, was reading. It was Me like, too. And I painful. I mean, I didn't think no? I was special. No? Oh, man, I thought I was special. I was no. like, I get more time with this person. Yay. No, I thought <coughs> it was extremely embarrassing. It, really? And it was, to this day, just, I mean, uh, to this day, I can remember that feeling of Ugh. being in Mr. Harris's class right. and the teacher coming in and saying, or the aide saying, I need, you know, Donna, David, and and Jose or something and how many and the, every kid in that new room knew because there was back then it was a probably not probably there was much more of a stigma right right way. definitely so I can remember getting up and walking out of that room and just it was just painful so the inclusion classroom is a great model and not just from that perspective but also the perspective of the kids and their achievement because we've right. got lots of Randy Corbin's done a great job of identifying student achievement levels for special needs students who are in collab classrooms versus students who are in self-contained classrooms mm -hmm. and there is no comparison really that's fantastic. oh my gosh yes. i'm it's, not surprised at all it's like a 40 and 50 point difference wow it's it's phenomenal so um yeah but you know just mentioning that piece brought back memories of it's painful for kids not i think it's changed i don't i don't Liberty High School, and I, I'm, make, I'm going to make the mistake again of, <laughs> of, of identifying one high school. I love all our high schools, but Liberty is a school, and I've said this many times, where the kids, they love their school, you know, for the most part. Mm -hmm. They really like each other. Um, it's one of those schools, every year I ask the question in advisory about, you know, is, tell me about bullying issues and tell me about, and it's one of those schools where they say they just don't see it. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but, right, right. but they say, no, we just don't see that. And um, it, I noticed that, for example, a lot of the le student leadership over the last few years in your school has been, they've been Hispanic students, which is extremely mm -hmm. unusual. Mm -hmm. And that's that's very cool, mm -hmm. which means those kids are feeling they have ownership. They, they have their ownership over their own learning, right? Their right. Own one of the cool things, I, my, I teach an elective women in history, and one of the cool things I've seen in the past couple of years is that racially it's become much more diverse than it was in the past couple of years. And I've had a lot of Hispanic students. Yeah. So you get those different perspectives as well when you're looking at um, intersectionality as well. And, and yeah, that's been a very cool thing. You know, central to, to all of that work and central to any conversation about equity um, is rest in your... Um, willingness to be intentional um, you know collab classes work because you have two individuals who push all their marbles into the center and say we've got to work at this relationship because our kids are going to benefit from that right collab classes don't work if two teachers aren't in unison in terms of mm -hmm. serving yeah. the needs of their kids and so when you put an investment in that um, kids benefit from that and so kids know when you're faking it. Oh, yeah. Um, kids know oh, yeah. when you are genuinely sincere in wanting them to join 
um, your class, when you encourage them, when you see them in the hallway to say, you know, I've got a class that might be right. something that would mm -hmm. be of interest to you. When you, they see you show up at games. And, and so when you make that investment, when you're intentional in making that investment, all you're doing is deepening the relationship. You know, um, people get hung up on the fact that, you know, we're, we're doing something crazy. No, these are rock-solid relationship skills. Cultural competency skills aren't um, skills of race. They're skills of compassion and empathy and listening and, you know, being intentional. And um, it's all respect. You know, how do you honor somebody's dignity in that process? How boring would it be if we're all the same? Right. I mean, That's it's, exactly It's so much right. cooler to be around different people, I and think. And it's a transferable skill. And to your point a few minutes ago, you don't have to be what a kid is to make a difference. Okay, but you do have to be genuine and compassionate and empathetic. Because if you're not those things, you got no chance. Yeah, I read something somewhere about kids will determine in the first, I don't know what the time is, but it's five minutes, ten minutes. They determine within that short period of time when they first meet their teacher right. if that, they think that teacher cares about them yeah. or not. That's that's pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. So I'm looking at the time. We're way over. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I apologize. No apologies needed, man. I mean, I, we man. can have this conversation for absolutely hours. Have, yeah. And it, I'm sure it won't be the last conversation we have. But uh, I do want to thank you, too. I have big-time respect for both of you. That's mutual. Uh, yeah, yeah, very thanks. much so. Thank you. Very yeah. much so. And uh, Tara, i got a lot of respect for you, too. Oh, don't thanks, leave thanks. that. I did so much today. <laughs> My technical skills. Right. So um, thanks again to our sponsors. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, Major. Thanks, um, and we will be back. This, again, probably won't be the last time we talk about equity. At least I hope it's not. Uh, but we'll be back soon with our next episode of Now We're Talking, right? Absolutely. This is episode 27. So episode 28, 28 to come. 28 yes. coming soon. All right. So thank you very much. We're not trying to